Wellness Force Radio. Feelings are essential, but they can't dictate our actions. We literally infect each other with our emotions. We came here for a special purpose. Let the purpose unveil itself. Knowing without doing is the same thing as not knowing. They're not just trackers. I'm going to wear this and it's going to help me do the right thing. Wellness Force Radio episode 142 with Ashley Van Houten. It's all about, you know, using technology wisely, but it's so much easier said than done because when it's all there for you, you want to rely on like the quick buttons and the, the computer programs and the algorithms and stuff. And sometimes you do that to the detriment of listening to your own body. And then, of course, if you're really trying to maximize what you're doing and you're you're against any kind of outside help, that can be a detriment too. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent, and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. It's your host and friend, Josh Trent, and today on the podcast, we're talking with my new friend, Ashley Van Houten, paleo diet expert, CrossFit strongman, and Olympic lifting certified all-around badass who I met live at the 2017 Bulletproof Biohacking Conference. This is our first interview we're publishing from just such an utterly fascinating event. This conversation is going to leave you with two things. One, a smarter brain, and two, a burning curiosity about how to combine biohacking, primal living, and emotional intelligence in this modern world. Now, if you haven't heard of Ashley, besides all the cool things I told you about her just a second ago, she also happens to be the host of Paleo Magazine Radio. I've seen her work over the past year and got to meet her, actually, at the Paleo FX event, which if you're looking for a health event, that is the one you get to go to. It'll be on my birthday next year with an episode to come in just a month or two in 2018. Be on the lookout for an interview with Michelle the co-founder of Paleo FX. Okay, I digress. Back to Ashley. I'm standing there with Kevin, our producer, and she literally sought me out from the crowd and just opened up to me about what was really true for her in her life and just brought such incredible presence and emotional intelligence, which actually sparked me to ask her right there at the conference, would you do this podcast with me? And what happened after that was a complete and total gift I'm so stoked to share with you today. So sit back, relax, or if you're working out, turn up the volume a little bit, tap into your breath, because we're going to learn from Ashley why she sees that taking the deeper emotional inventory is so valuable for her and for all of us, how she's stepping into her feminine grace and power while simultaneously taking care of business in her life and work, what she believes technology can do to improve the human condition. And what really needs to happen to get us stronger in the way we speak our truth out into the world, whatever it might be, and what that work really looks like. Because Ashley believes that on the road to emotional intelligence, there really are no shortcuts. Okay, not a second more to wait. Let's lean into this conversation with Ashley Van Houten. I'm sitting here at the Level Booth. This is 2017 Biohacking Conference, kind of of the world. How would you describe this? I'm sitting with Ashley Van Houten. She's the host of Paleo Magazine Radio. I followed her work for, gosh, two years now. Have you taken over for Tony Federico? Yeah, yeah it's been a while. Uh, and so we're sitting here and we were having this wonderful conversation about masculine feminine balance and what it means to be an emotionally present human in this modern world that's so focused on tech. And what's the point of that amazing conversation if it's not being recorded? A hundred percent. So we literally had to jump on the microphones. I'm so stoked that you're coming on the show. No, I really appreciate it. And I've been following your stuff, especially lately, which is why I made a beeline over to you and started like pouring out all of my thoughts and rants <laughs> because I've been, I've been listening to some of the stuff that you've been doing and I'm finding it very interesting. And I get so... Um, like worked up because I have lots to say and I don't sometimes 
have someone to say it to, which is yes. part of the conversation we were having when people maybe don't relate to what your opinion is or, or see where you're coming from. And so sometimes it's nice to have a, a space like this to just kind of... I know we're going to go to some awesome places, but I just yeah. want to kind of do a check-in here with you. Like, yeah. why did you come to this event? What's this event mean to you? Like, why are you here? So this is kind of interesting for me because I'm here on behalf of Paleo Magazine, best magazine ever. Love it. Love the people that I work with. Great recipes, um, by the way. Great the recipes. recipes. Are insane. So good. And I'm really trying as the host of the the podcast and also the work that I do with the magazine, I'm trying to see how much we can expand our reach and and learn from other people. And I know that there's a really kind of interesting, I don't want to say clash between like the biohacking community and the paleo community, but I think a lot of people see biohackers oh, yeah. as anti-paleo, right? Because, you know, they're into supplements and weird, can I swear? Absolutely. Because I swear so much. Please. But, you know, biohackers are into some weird shit, and especially Dave Asprey. Like, they're into this kind of really high-tech next level. Some of it's very weird. Um, and a lot of people see, paleo folks, see that as over the top, very against what they're trying to do, which is bringing things back to basics. But I think that it's important for us to see different perspectives and learn different things. And you come to stuff like this, and some of it you might throw away or roll your eyes, and some of it you may think, this is super cool, and I want to do it. Let's explore that, because there is this tidal wave, like... Like the technology people, the biohacking people, and then the natural living people. I remember yeah. I interviewed Mark Sisson and we kind of went at it a little bit on this because okay. he's like, why do I need technology to tell me about my human condition? Right. Why do I need that piece? And I'm like, Mark, you don't need that piece, but yet we can live in these pillars of ancestral health, but we don't live in that era anymore. This mm-hmm. is 10,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we get to respect the fact that those pillars exist, but it's also not that world. Yeah. What do you yeah. feel about that? I just think it's really tough. It's something I'm always working to find for myself is that balance between listening to your body, listening to the world around you, making use of all the crazy technology and all this extra stuff we have now. And I just interviewed Brian McKenzie, who wrote this book, Unplugged, with Dr. Andy Galpin. Andy Galpin came on the show. I'd love to hear Super Brian McKenzie's smart. take. Super smart. I love Brian. Um, but it's all about you know using technology wisely. But it's so much easier said than done because when it's all there for you, you want to rely on like the quick buttons and the, the computer programs and the algorithms and stuff. And sometimes you do that to the detriment of listening to your own body. And then, of course, if you're really trying to maximize what you're doing and you're, you're against any kind of outside help, that can be a detriment too. So, But I mean, it's, what's the answer? It's really, really hard to find that balance. Well, the answer is intention, don't you feel? Because the device is one thing, but what about the intention behind the device? So for example, if someone wants to use an Aura or a Fitbit or a Level or whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. why do they actually want to do it? Right. And can they connect that to the primal framework? I think that's right. important to think about right, right, in this right. process, right? No matter who you are, if you're pro-tech or if you're against it, how does it bring us back to the question of, is this actually up-leveling the human? Right, right. Well, it's, I guess it's about you know, mindfulness, which is something that's been talked about already today and something that we kind of touched on too. But, you know, it's the idea of just because it's there, do you need it? And just because you can, should you? And a lot of us in this world where things come very easily and we have everything at our fingertips, we don't stop to think about that. We don't stop to think like, do we need 100,000 followers on Instagram? (laughs) Do I need to take every single supplement in this building? Yes. And a lot, and you know, even Dave Asprey's, his thoughts on that, and I interviewed him for the podcast was, and he's very open about this being his opinion and a lot of people aren't going to be into it but he's like I'm into the overloading like I'm into taking way more stuff than I need because the stuff that doesn't work I'll piss it out and I'll figure it out eventually if this I don't need this pillar I don't need that but I'm going to take all 250 because 
it's something's going to work. Something's going to give. Whereas other people will look at that and be like, it's what? Yeah, it's wasteful. Yeah. It's pointless. It could be dangerous. Um, but yeah, I guess it's all about your perspective. But you're really, really right about like, why are we doing it? And I think that a lot of people don't want to slow down and ask that question. They may not want to know the answer. This sometimes. goes back to emotional intelligence. And it's not just a buzzword. It's not something that just Gary Vee is putting out there. Yeah. We know through all the data that emotional intelligence for corporations is the number one thing in their hiring process. Mm-hmm. So how does that relate to how frenetic our world is, how busy our world is, Ashley? Like, if you talk about the primal living framework a lot on the podcast, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that have been coming up in your conversations around being present and around actually giving yourself permission to feel what the hell it is you feel? Uh, I mean... Not that that's a small question. Or <laughs> that's a really big question. You should have seen Ashley's face when I asked her uh, that question. But it's so it's so personally hard for me yes. because I the emotional intelligence thing is something that you. Ju- it's so funny that you just said that because I literally was like, yeah, that's a silly buzzword that people who read the secret like you know like literally up until like a month ago. That that's how I felt. What is that? Right. Like and so it, yeah. I mean, I um, I think so much of it is there's again the word mindfulness, which again is a buzzword, but it's a real word that means something if you think about it. Yes. Meditation, like coming back to yourself again something that I hate to do and is so hard and I just need to find the meditation that works for me but that stillness and being okay with stopping and being in your own head and like thinking those thoughts and like dwelling on them that can be really scary for people yeah really scary well because there's answers there that you may not want to accept as true and I think you know you're now in your 30s when you're in your 20s let's contrast this you're at a biohacking conference right so I don't know if biohacking applies to emotions I think emotions mm. are something where I don't know if we can actually hack those. Now, the physical body, our intelligence around there, yes, of course, but for you looking at your 20s compared to your 30s, a lot of women are listening to this podcast. What have you changed? What have you noticed changed? What have you shifted into as a woman in your 30s compared to your 20s? It's really interesting that you just said like you can't hack your emotions because I don't know who I was just listening to, but they were literally saying that that one of the downsides, like one of the, the reasons why people don't like the buzzword biohack is because it's basically, Dr. Andy Galpin said it, because it seems like you're, you're taking a shortcut and you're getting away with things. Yeah. And you can't do that when you're working on emotional intelligence. You absolutely cannot shortcut your way the to only understanding way yourself or other people. You have to go through it. There's yeah. no way around it. And most people don't want to do that. So they're like, okay, so I could spend a year agonizingly going through my own kind of issues and problems and working it out and therapy and talking to people and and, lear- and figuring myself out. Or I can just go and like, you know, put this like ring on and like take these pills and like go crush life and like have a really great <laughs> sleep. You know what I mean? Like that stuff's easier. And so there is an element of, and, and Dave Asprey will say this too, like you are kind of, you're trying to hack and shortcut your way to your optimal self. But yeah, you're completely, it has nothing to do with what's going on inside. What's interesting about the quote optimal self is that don't you believe the optimal self has everything to do with what they actually want? And so how do you get clear on what you want if you don't know how you're showing up? In other words, if you're doing something and you don't even know that you don't know that it's bad for you, but you're getting feedback from people in your life, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's Mm -hmm. a friend, whatever it is. And they're Mm -hmm. like, hey, listen, Ashley or Josh or whoever it is, I've been experiencing you this way. Mm-hmm. Does this resonate with you? And for a lot of us, especially people like yourself, you host a podcast and you do a lot in life. You're from the East Coast. I'm mm-hmm. from the West Coast. There's a bit of a cultural <laughs> difference there, right? I still like you. <laughs> you, told me, you told me when we were sitting at the chill booth at the Aura Place, you said that right now one of your biggest edges in life is to relax into the feminine, right? Mm-hmm. And like so the hard. scariness of that. And, and, and I've had conversations with my close friends about this. Let's dig into this because I think a lot of people feel this tension around how they think they should be as a woman Mm -hmm. 
or how they actually want to be? Like, what has this mm-hmm. learning curve been for you? Well, and you said before in the last question about the difference between your 20s and your 30s. And I think one of the things that I'm learning grudgingly is that you do not have your shit sorted out in your 20s, probably not in your 30s either. Like there's a reason why we make it to our 60s and 70s if we're lucky and we become calm inside and understand ourselves and stop worrying so much and thinking about what other people think because it really does take that long. And I'm thinking, you know, in my 20s, I was was pretty successful. I was pretty accomplished. I was very, very confident. I thank my mother for that, for having some like the self-confidence to go out and get what I want, do what I want. Thanks, mom. But I thought that I had it all figured out because everybody in their 20s does. And now the next decade, I'm thinking like, There were a lot of things there that worked for me and a lot of things that didn't. And now I've got to work on some of those things that that aren't helping me anymore, even if it's uncomfortable and difficult and challenging. And just knowing that it takes time. There's no, like you said, there's no shortcut to finding your best self. You just got to like get through it and slog through it. And it's a slog. And especially in this health and wellness industry, people that are up to big things, they typically are big doers. Yeah. So it's hard for them. And I consider you to be one of these creators where you're constantly in motion. Yeah. And maybe the hardest thing for yourself and your nervous system is actually to not be in motion. Absolutely. How have you practiced not being in motion? What does that look like? This is all extremely recent and I'm still struggling with it. Like I'm still having conversations where I'm, I'm talking to other people and they're offering me advice and they're saying, maybe you should try some of these things and knowing that those are things that I should try precisely because I wouldn't have tried them before and still really having a hard time with it. Like one thing, for example, even feels cliche and kind of hurts me to say it now, but like I'm journaling, I'm journaling. I'm writing. Why does that hurt you to say it? Because, again, so first of all, I'm a writer. So I write and I get paid to write. And I write to get things done and write stories. I don't write, like, to feel my thoughts and, like, think about the flowers in the morning. Like, I'm just so anti-woo-woo and anti, like, hippy-dippy. And that's something that girls do. Girls write in their pretty journal in the morning about how grateful they are to be alive. And, like, what? No, I'm getting up and I'm, like, going and doing something, right? And this, of course, is a silly, immature reaction to it because it's been helping me greatly. Of course it has because I'm writing down every morning things that make me feel good and things that I'm grateful for and things that I'm happy about. And then I'm writing also about things that are challenging me and things that are difficult in my life. And I'm writing ideas and all of that's great. And it's creative and it's an outlet. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel productive, but it took me a really long time to get there because everyone that told me to do it, I was like, what, that's a girly stupid, like, what, you know. Why do you think the narrative is that being girly is not okay and dropping into feelings like that is not okay? Where do you believe that comes from? Because it's not just with you. I've actually, yeah, for some tell reason, me about it. I've pulled this into my life in a dating aspect. And if anybody listening can relate to this, have you ever attracted the wrong partner? And when I say wrong, I mean physically or maybe sexually, there might be an attraction, yet emotionally, mm-hmm. the depth. Like, I want to take you to the well today, but I, you can't go to the well because there's only a kiddie pool depth. And it could be with men or women. Mm-hmm. What do you think that fear to actually go to the bottom of the well actually is? What is that? It's such a weird dichotomy about the like something that's girly is bad because on one hand, I am absolutely a feminist and I think everyone who isn't an asshole is a feminist if you, unless you don't understand what the word means. And How I, so? How so? What do you mean by that? If you think that you aren't a feminist, I think that you're probably an asshole or you don't know what it means. I mean, a, okay. a feminism, feminism means that men and women deserve equal respect. Period. Not that we're the same. Not that we can do the same things. Nothing like that. We're very different. This is the baseline, I believe, really altruistic version of this because there are some third and fourth wave feminists Mm -hmm. that are very just kind of like anti-men. But you're talking about the wing where there's equality here. Yeah, 
I mean, like, that's like saying, like, I don't believe in in racial equality because there are some, you know, people of, you know, different races that think that they're better than white people Great or something. Point. Like, get the fuck over it. Amazing like, point. Like, we are all deserving of equal respect. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you have between your legs. That's ridiculous. And it's so, and I, and I don't even like that backlash always that are like, well, but women think that women should have more now. It's like, no, they don't. And they're assholes too. We all get what we deserve and we all deserve respect. Like that's what feminism is. Period. Yes. I'm over it. Like I can't anyway. So dropping back into the so well. There's that, but then we are still absolutely taught that the softness and the nurturing and the caring and the emotions that are associated with femininity are often associated with weakness because we, we are now in a, in a society that thinks that the values that men have and the values that women have are unequal. There were a lot of times, you know, throughout history and in other places in the world where women stay at home and they care for the children and they care for the home and that is what they do, but that's absolutely equally respected to the men who go out and earn the bread. Absolutely. But we somehow in our culture have decided that whatever those, you know, roles you decide to play, that they aren't equal. And that's where the the rub is. Um, So, yeah, so I was still, you know, we're still taught to show your emotions is weak. And I, and I have, that's been taught to me um, growing up. I've learned it myself too. And it's, I've, you know, it's, I'm not, I take responsibility for, for internalizing that too. Yes. And I'm really trying to unlearn it. And it's really, really difficult. Wow. I just want to acknowledge how truthful and awesome you are and honest you are because you're someone that's, you know, you're directing conversations on Paleo Magazine, right? And so you're giving people information they can trust. But yet here you are with Wellness Force and you're actually talking about the lessons that you're going through. This is what people want. People want some type of trust that along the way, we're going to share our story. Yeah. Not just, hey, I've arrived. I've got yeah. it all figured out. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell you what to do based on all the things I've learned. Like, that's what I really appreciate you right now. And so literally today, what do you feel like that edge is for you to actually go to the bottom of the well? It's so hard. I mean, I think one of the things that I've been doing, and it's very simple. And again, I feel like a lot of, especially women, but a lot of people will roll their eyes and be like, oh, that's your like revelation right now, dude. But it's, it's being willing to sit down and talk to people face to face about what I'm feeling. And I've never even admitted that I, I don't have feelings. Of course I have feelings. I'm a human being. Yes. I feel things and I get upset and I get sad and I get emotional. But I thought that showing it and expressing it was a sign of weakness. Like, I don't have my shit together if I admit that I'm upset or hurt by something or that I'm feeling an emotion. And I think that was always trying to relate to the what I considered stronger and more respected masculine identity. And so for me to sit down and talk to my friend last week, you know, Tom Petty died. Huge fan of Tom Petty. I was really upset by it. Massive fan. I saw him in concert for the one and only time like two months ago. Wow. So and this so, is fresh for you. Fresh. And so and in, in this moment, and again, I'm not necessarily a crier. That's not my, but I was sad. I was sad. And my initial, my first immediate reaction was to be like, why the fuck are you sad? You don't even know this guy. Like, that's so corny. And instead, I like talked to my girlfriend who had flown in to see the concert with me. And I'm like, dude, I'm really bummed about this. Like, I'm really sad. I'm feeling some emotions about this. Like, I kind of want to have a cry about it. Yeah. And then I'm like, but, you know, I'm like, I don't cry like this. And she's like, get over yourself, dude. Be sad. It fucking sucks. Be sad. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to be sad. And like, that's a, that was a process for me. Like, I really had to go through that. So there's an example. And that was, that was work for me. That was emotional work for me to talk to somebody else about being sad. 
Yeah, it's like this permission that we've talked about with men on the show, you know, yeah. getting into conversation around men feeling their emotions. And I think maybe what you're expressing is that the same thing exists when you're a woman that's brought up in a certain kind of environment where it's never okay to feel something. It's not okay in a home environment to feel something. And I think many, many, many people can relate to this. So I'm curious, like, when was the last time? And I'll, I'll tell you, because, you know, if I'm going to ask you to bear your soul, I'll bear yeah, mine. Please. When was the last time that you really had a good cry? Okay, you tell me first. About three weeks ago. Tell me, what was the situation? I was just feeling overwhelmed with business mm. and I was feeling overwhelmed with some family issues, specifically around like my mom's health and mm -hmm. just having some existential angst. Mm -hmm. And I was in my men's group. I do a lot of powerful men's work okay. that I, you know, I touched on the show a little bit. And so in my men's group, I was able to express what I was really going through, which was just this feeling of incessant overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And I just got to let out the tears. And when I did that, I'm telling you, like, I felt as if there was a lead weight that was removed from my back. Right. And just like to be in a space where eight men are just like being there for me, watching me cry like it's OK to cry. When I left, I had the most productive week afterwards. I allowed myself to go there. All the things that I was incessantly being completely overwhelmed by actually weren't that bad. Yeah. I was just in a biochemical state where I perceived them to be that bad. Right. And so that right. for me was like. It was more like I was just needing that space where I was in a trusted group of people that would give me the permission to cry. Yeah. The last time I cried by myself, I don't know. I kind of need people or a therapist or somebody else to kind of help me do that. And so that's why I asked you, like, when was the last time See, you really cried? This is cried? so funny to me because probably the last time I cried really gave her was maybe, and I don't even know the exact date, but I would put it probably at this summer. And it was remembering um my stepfather who i love i adore he passed away four years ago from cancer you know i think about him a lot and it'll come out of nowhere right like i'll listen to a song i'll hear something i'll talk about him and sometimes it's a it's a pleasant cry remembering him loving him whatever but like i literally go in the bathroom and hide and do it so it's funny that you're saying like i don't remember the last time i cried in, in alone i don't remember the last time i cried in front of somebody i can't even wow i can't even the idea of it like just i can't i mean there are some people that I, I would cry in front of, but literally when I get the urge, I'm like, gotta go. Like, it's like a cat going off to die. Like, I need to go somewhere <laughs> by myself and be alone. Like, I, because it's such, a, it's such a raw, intense thing for me. And yes. again, because I have friends who cry at the drop of a hat. And that's, and in a way, I'm sure that's very healthy because they feel an emotion and they immediately let it out and it's cathartic and it's good. For me, it's such a big thing that it's like, it's extremely intimate and vulnerable and I don't want other people to see it. On your podcast, you talk a lot about the physical health, uh, exercise, diet, a lot of the primal framework for life. But when do the emotional conversations come up on Paleo Magazine Radio? Okay, so this is a really good question because as, you know, I've been the host for a while now and I'm starting to kind of be able to look back and reflect and I really want to try and start opening it up a little bit to, you know, obviously we have a we have an audience that wants to hear a certain thing and I want to expose people to more things, which is why I'm here too. Yeah. So I want to get some people on that aren't just authors of paleo books. I want to get some different people. But interestingly enough, somebody that I just interviewed, um, her name's Diane Capaldi. She's the paleo boss lady. And she has a really amazing story. She had MS. Um, she became so disabled that she couldn't use her hands and she had full-time help and they told her she was going to die. And she started teaching herself and she learned about um, Dr. Walls and she learned about mitochondria and she learned about um, toxic environments and how to eat healthier and, and live a healthier life and all of these things. There's like a lot of levels to it. 
but she was talking about like this gratitude and about this life or death situation that she was in and how she there were periods where she wanted to end her life and where you know she feels like all she wants to do now is make her daughter proud because she wasn't there for her at certain times and like she was getting really deep and I was telling her, I'm like, you're making me feel some things and I'm, it's making me uncomfortable because <laughs> you're really making me feel some shit right now. Yeah. And that was the first podcast that I've done in a year that went there. The, all this other stuff, we're talking about great positive things, changing your life, being healthy, being happy. But she was talking about some real deep life or death stuff. And that was the first time we've done it. And I, I felt really good about it. It felt like something completely different. And I hope that I get to do more of those things. And I hope that people respond to it positively and that I can do more things like that. Yes. You know, you can't learn anything if you're not willing to talk about some different stuff. Oh my gosh. That was a beautiful sentence. If you're not willing to have a new conversation, don't think just by getting new information that you're going to become smarter. No. Because you could get all the books in the world. You can go to any weekend course and get all kinds of, quote, intelligence, but you're not actually going to grow smarter. Yeah. So what have you seen in your own life and from all these in just incredible minds that you have on the podcast? You're like, so good at asking questions. You're really good. I'm learning a lot from you. this, you know, as, you. as a fellow podcast Well, host. I'm just curious about you because, like, I don't really know you, so I thought how cool We're and organic learning. this We're would be, like, live on the podcast yeah. to ask you questions. I want to ask you after, though, um, I want you to tell me more about the men's group because I want to know what that is. I would love to. Because I don't. Yes. I don't. So you can explain that to me. But yeah, the, the difference between these guests that come on, like, how do we actually take in the knowledge whether yeah. it's about physical or emotional yeah and execute on it like what have you seen be successful from a social support network to um social media or maybe even your community with paleo magazine radio like what actually bonds you to take the action from the knowledge you receive well one of the tough things that like part of this question that you're asking is like getting some sort of different conversations and real information from people and it's tough when you want to get people who are successful in their field and they're well-known and so people are going to want to listen to them, but you want to get something different out of them. And you know they want something different too. They don't want to answer the same They've been saying questions. the same canned responses. Same stuff, but... I'll actually listen to podcasts and make sure I don't ask the questions that right, other hosts are asking. Right, right. But it's tough when you get, again, like a Dave Asprey, who is very good at his redirecting yeah and so that how do you pull it out of people because on one hand i'm sure they're bored as shit but on the other hand it's like they've got a job to do too so how do you how do you do it i'm asking you how yeah, do you do so it this, i love i love how the tables have turned <laughs> i i think what i do is i just tap into this little sometimes massive curiosity fire yeah. and i just trust that like, I'm actually really curious about you in that same regard. And that's what fuels my questions. Mm-hmm. I'm just connecting the dots between what I'm actually in my mind, curious about the person. Yeah. And I think if I can articulate that in a way where it doesn't seem canned, it doesn't seem like I'm right. making it up. And I had all these questions beforehand. Like, there's no questions list for you and I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just curious about a woman that gets shit done, that leads a community that also is trying to embody this masculine feminine balance. Like, to me, that's fascinating. Like, I think some of it is a a genuine curiosity, right? And that's what makes you so good at your job because, like you said, you're just, like, riffing right now and you've always got a question because, like, you're actually curious about people and how they work and how they think. And I wonder, do you think that's something that can be learned? Because I think one issue that sometimes people have in relationships is somebody's a better listener than the other one. Oh my God, this is the story of my life. Right? And, <laughs> and I think I've always been, I have, let me tell you, both my parents are psychologists. Okay. Both your parents are psychologists? So if you're wondering if there's any way that I turned out well-rounded, the answer is no. But both of my parents are psychologists that work with children, you know, child behavior. So I think one thing that I inherited from them was I think I have a lot of um, social intelligence and ability to talk to people and connect with people. And I really do 
ask questions because I'm interested in people. I'm not one of those people that asks a question and then my eyes glaze over while I wait for them to finish talking. And there are a lot of people in this world, especially, I think even more because we're so distracted and we also all feel like we're important because we have Instagram accounts. So people really do have a hard time like sitting and listening and like, tell me your story. They're waiting for their chance to talk. Do you think that people can learn to be better listeners? Or do you think that there are people who are just, some people are inherently interested and some aren't? 100%. Because if the part of our brain, the synapses that connect, that allow us to listen, if that's a muscle, if that's a digital connection, if that has a myelin sheath and inside of it, there's a signal, an action potential, then yeah, we can synaptically prune away the fact that we are disconnected and we can carve in the fact that we can be connected. But you have to want to. You have to want to. Now, we could go deeper on that. And we could say, well, if you're dealing with a lot in your life, maybe you don't have room to be curious right now. And that's okay too. Or if you just have been one of these people that considers themselves to be an introvert, I find that people use the excuse of being an introvert a lot. You can still be curious and be an introvert. Absolutely. You don't have to let your curiosity die. So to circle back to your awesome question, it's yes, you can absolutely grow that part of your brain. But there has to be some kind of recipe. And, and I think that recipe, you either feel it or you don't. And that's okay, too. Mm, like, okay. not everyone has the ethos where they want to show up each day and be curious. Sure. And I guess that's why maybe podcast hosting even exists. Right, because right, maybe right. we're just more curious than the average Joe or Jane. Yeah, fair um, enough. And, and how this plays into the emotional part of it mm-hmm. uh, is that if we don't have that curiosity, we're probably not going to be with someone in our life. That's curious too. We're going to choose to be with somebody who's less curious unless you believe that the spark of polarity exists between men and women where one person's curious, one person's not. The man might be asking questions. The woman doesn't want to give emotional energy or vice versa. What do you think about that, about the I give mean, and take? Dude, this is such a complicated question that could, and I don't think there's an answer. And I think that because it's so individual to your background, what you've experienced in the past, what you want, what you're, you know what you're like. I mean, I think that there has to be a little bit of, I don't want to say opposites attract, but there has to be a little bit of like friction, give and take a little bit. You can't be be the same person. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, some people need somebody who is very similar to them in a lot of ways. And some people you could be like night and day, you can be completely different. So like, it's so individual. I mean, I personally, in my relationships, I, I look for people who are very, it's so funny because I feel like I look for people who are very masculine, physically very masculine, masculine jobs, like behaviorally in a lot of ways, but I need somebody who is emotionally sorted out big time because as I'm learning now as an adult, I am not emotionally sorted out. Yes. So I sorted out in a lot of other ways, but I'm, and I need somebody to help me with that. And I need somebody who is confident emotionally because I, I need that stability. And I'm confident in pretty much every other way, um, which is actually kind of an interesting thing to think. Yeah, it's almost like what I'm hearing from you is that you need somebody who's not faking it till they make it. You kind of have a BS meter, right, Right, for the masculine energy. Well, I think from my experience, like, it's hard for me to tell sometimes. And I think relationships like that where you really trust someone Mm -hmm. happen over the course of pressure and time. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how diamonds are formed. Like, I don't try. My core issue on this planet, Ashley, is to trust human beings. Like, that's one of my deepest lessons here. And so for me, it's like trust happens over the course of time. That's when people really show me their colors and show me who they are. Okay. So that makes me feel better because I I feel similarly to that. And I know, again, I feel like this is, and people, maybe your listeners can like write in or call or whatever and be like, she's full of shit. But I think that one of the, one of the things from my 
female relationships and, and conversations that I have with my women friends is that oftentimes, and I don't know if this is a sign of emotional strength or not, or being naive, but they trust people until they have a reason not to. Whereas I, exactly, opposite. Flip I'm like, I'm not going to trust you until you give me a reason. And even then, I might not, I might still kind of think that you're going to screw me at some point because that's just the safer way to go through life, right? And this is my emotional flaw that I need to work on because it's not nice to go through life thinking that people want to fuck you over. That's not a nice way yes. to live. I'll never forget this. I was at this Brendan Burchard conference and there was a speaker on stage. I forgot his name, but he's like, you know how I'm successful in life? I walk around and I put out the message that everyone wants me to be successful. And that's just what I tell my brain. And I just had to breathe that in for a second. I was like, whoa. That's actually possible. That's if the brain cool. is a computer and you ask me, can we grow curiosity? And I know that we can because we can reinforce these new sheets yeah. like with myelin. Yeah. Uh, then yes, of course we can reprogram our brain so that we're just constantly in a state of trust. And then people will show us, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if we don't get to trust them. And so this is really big right now. And this is why I think from Qualia who's here, um, a couple other people that involve neuroscience that are here. Um, I'm excited to do some Facebook lives with them. Mm. I don't know if you've had the chance to go around and actually look at the people that are really diving into the Not brain fully. science yeah. part. Yeah. I mean, that has everything and anything to do, actually, I believe, with emotional intelligence. It's so interesting. Like, and that, what he said, is so opposite to like what you see on social media with famous people who are like, yeah, I've got haters and that's what brings me my strength. It's like the opposite. It's like you just kind of assume that everybody like wants you to fail and that's what's going to push you. It's like two <laughs> completely different ways of looking at it. It's really interesting. Yes. But I guess it's like, again, like life is precious and life is short. And if there's any way that we can switch anything in our life that has a negative tone to something positive, like why shouldn't we try to do that? Really? Yeah. And again, that's something that maybe people are listening and being like, yeah, duh. But for me, it worked for so long to be the pessimist, to look at things like it's shitty. And then if it isn't, to be happy. And I still am having a hard time switching this because I always said, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I look at things like people are going to disappoint you. Life is going to disappoint you. Things are going to be bad. You still work hard and you still try. And when yeah. things work out, you're happy for it. But don't expect that things are going to be fine because they usually aren't. What's interesting about this is we reference you and I both how the brain potentially is a computer and maybe conceptually is, of course, a computer. On top of that, if you look at the work of Joe Dispenza and you start understanding how you can do like this synaptic pruning and you can actually build in new habit formations in the brain, okay. we are an electrical unit. Like there's energy flowing between you and my body right now. There's energy flowing through this. Everything essentially is energy. Now, this is woo-woo, which is a huge edge for you. Okay, so bear with me. <laughs> I believe in this, though. There's some science there. So, But if you go down the energy pathway of that, of course we can change, and of course we can change at any age. Mm -hmm. What do you believe about change? What is one or two, maybe even three things that you've seen be successful for people, maybe in those 40, 50, 60-year blocks of their life, That's where they it. can actually change that part of themselves? part of this like I said before it's about like the decades and the years and the getting older and the the experiences that teach you that things just aren't working anymore because I do think that humans we are we are born to take the easy road in a lot of ways it's an animal thing I I'm very big on humans as animals it's the whole paleo We're perspective half, beast, half spirit some of us more than half beast but anyway <laughs> but I I believe that we and it's not it's not a condemnation it's just saying that we are built to to want to take the easy way out and to to, you know, get things sort of easier rather than, than harder. Yes. And so I think that a lot of times it's you wait until the tipping point where things 
aren't working anymore and you're forced to change. And again, I don't think that's a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, hitting rock bottom or something happening and you have, you know, you have to change. And this is something I'm experiencing. I'm, I'm having um, some situations, some personal relationship issues where it's like shit or get off the pot, like fix some things that aren't working or you don't get to have these relationships anymore or you don't get to have the energy that these people are giving you unless you're giving something back. And if you had told me this five years ago or even a year ago, I would have been like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm getting what I want out of this. So cool. Yeah. But now I'm not. And so I have to make some changes. And so I think that it's, it's again, it's like being okay with being inside your head and, and really figuring out who you are and what you want. And if you're getting it, if you're not getting it anymore, then you got to start making some, some choices. Who's one of the people you've interviewed lately or maybe even in the past year that's really just enamored your soul where you're like, wow, I love this person and I love them for these few reasons. I'm going to have to actually put some real thought into that because I'm writing a, I'm writing a feature for Paleo Magazine in like a month or two that's like reflecting on the last year of being a podcast host and what you've learned. And I think one that's like standing out to me really is Brian McKenzie. I got to meet him at one of these XBT life things that he does with Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, and he's teaching all the breathing. And that was one woo-woo thing that really woke me up because one of the things they do is this like the Wim Hof and like this performance breathing and Did stuff. Did you cry? Dude. Well, I had tears streaming down my eyes, yeah. but it was like a physical okay, reaction. Okay. My arms and legs were numb. Like I, I felt stoned for like an hour. It was incredible. Yes. I experienced that at the Unbeatable Mind Retreat with Mark yes, Devine. one that I wanted to go to. And I, I cried yeah. for probably like 10 minutes. And there was a lot of people in that room, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of people that many respect that also had tears in their eyes. Yeah. So this is what we explore so much. And this is like why I think the past 45 minutes have been so special is because we've gone there. Like you and I have talked about a lot of things that at a biohacking conference are kind of just like not a fit. <laughs> right. But that's so cool. And that's yeah. why I respect like what we're doing right now yeah. is we're, we're bringing the narrative back to, hey, these tools are great. Biohacking is powerful. Any kind of technology you can use is awesome. Mm -hmm. But how is that actually helping the emotional part of us right. get more grounded and more in touch? So for yeah. people that are listening, where can they learn more about you and discover more about Paleo Magazine Radio? And also tell us, what do you believe is your wellness in 2018? What is wellness going to mean to you in 2018? You're so good at this. Can I just say, like, thank you for this learning experience? Honestly, I feel like I'm going to be a better host after this. I really do. And I'm not usually on this side. So I kind of, I like to talk. So I kind of appreciate this on all levels. Oh, you're so welcome. This is such a pleasure. So you can find, um, go to paleomagonline.com for Paleo Magazine stuff. Um, the podcast is there. Go to iTunes, Paleo Magazine Radio. It's free. There's a, I have a ton of good guests. Like, yeah, I, I think people can learn a lot from it. And I hope to, um, to only get better kind of as this year goes on. You can find me on Instagram at The Muscle Maven. I'm pretty charming. So it's worth a follow. Um, and humble. <laughs> my wellness next year no I think really truly um you know I'm pretty on top of the whole like health and fitness eating sleeping working out like I'm gonna continue to improve and evolve in that way because I love it and it's fun yeah. but for me wellness next year is is emotional wellness and I think I'm making some strides in that and the fact that I came over to you we've talked maybe like 10 minutes prior to this yeah. in our life if and that. I came over to you and within five minutes we were like deep diving into some emotional stuff I think that's a sign that I'm working on some things because I never in a million years would have done that before and it's going to be some hard work and some exhausting work but it's absolutely worthwhile and it's it's for the betterment of my relationships and my own life and so I'm really excited to see where that goes next year Ashley thank you so much for coming on the show live at the level booth at Bulletproof Biohacking Conference 2017 we will link all her good stuff in the show notes thanks for coming on thanks josh you're the best 
Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.